TJ back again with CG Talks, the podcast where CG guys talk about CG. And uh, with me here is Mr. Zacharias Reinhardt from CG Boost. And um, you are a tutor yourself and you run a company offering online tutorials, courses. So let's talk about, uh, about the kitchen, the making of these educational materials. Mm hmm do you recall uh, your fir- uh, what your first tutorial was like uh, and wonder what you have learned since then about how to make this better like in other words what's <laughs> what's what are the most important things in a good tutorial okay yeah i think it was my blender 2.5 beginner series in german back in 2010 or so which i recorded um okay of course a few obvious things are improved audio and video quality i think for uh, for tutorials and courses and stuff like this the audio quality is most important because people will listen to you all the time and if you have a crappy microphone or even in the editing process uh don't cut out like <clears throat> or uh, loud breathe, breathing and stuff like this. Um, I think this makes a huge difference in a professional uh, tutorial and an amateur tutorial, the whole audio quality. Um, so at some point, of course, I bought a better microphone. <laughs> and uh, at some point, I switched to higher resolution recordings. Uh, now I record in 4K even my tutorials, <laughs> so to have the best possible quality. Um, but this is, of course, just like visually what you can see. Um, one thing I also like to do, which I learned pretty early, actually, is to remove unnecessary clutter from what people see. So I always hide my taskbar with all the icons. Uh, so I just have a clean window to uh, to record. Um, then, before I get into the content-wise, what has changed or what I do is also making the process of recording something super easy. So I uh, I switched from OBS recording at some point because it was giving me a lacking, uh, stuttering video. Uh, when I have like 4K resolution and cycles rendering and stuff like this, to NVIDIA Shadow Play, which is something which is always enabled in the background, which runs with uh, NVIDIA driver and experience tools. So I just have to press like a, a shortcut combination and it starts recording. And I don't have to do anything else. I just have to grab my microphone, hit record, and then it just runs. So I made the process of like starting recording and recording much easier for me. Another thing I learned is to prepare your projects upfront. Um, of course, you can't plan everything, but usually I try to at least to a certain degree create what I want to show in the tutorials or in the courses uh, before that to find out the best workflows uh, to see what works and what doesn't. Because back in the days, I made the mistake that I started recording my process, 
wide when I was started to creating the project. And then I was doing mistakes, which I had to revert in the recording process and show people. Of course, it's also good to see for people that professionals are doing mistakes and how to fix these mistakes. But you can also teach this in a more uh, streamlined way. So that means nowadays when I record a course, for example, I prepare everything. I sometimes record a video multiple times because then you get more straight to the point. Uh, you make sure that you don't need to think about certain areas too much. And usually the recordings are getting shorter and shorter with each iteration of recording the same video. Then it's good to have some kind of checklist or uh, that you always know what to check before you start recording. Uh, for example, for me, it's uh, check the audio levels if they are not too loud, because sometimes when I have like a video call in between, the microphone is just automatically cranking up the volume. And then when I start recording the tutorial, it's like clipping. Uh, the volume is way too loud. So I always check the volume and I always check if I have my um, shortcut keys enabled. So what I press will be displayed on the screen. And then from content wise, I don't script my uh, videos. So it's mostly freely spoken words. But since I planned what I want to show, um, I usually also record in, in smaller sections. So I start with intro or usually I record the intro as last thing, but I start, then I record a certain part, which is like one uh, part which belongs together, then make a pause, check my notes. I usually have just a few bullet points, uh, see what I want to put into the tutorial. And then I just record. And if I, for example, forget a word because I'm not a native English speaker, I just like stop speaking left my cursor where it is and search for the specific words and how this is pronounced. And then I just continue. Or if I forgot how to do a workflow or what settings I used, I open up a second instance of Blender. Uh, sometimes I just pause the recording or just keep it running, um, check what I want to show and then come back. So I think just be a little bit calm. Um, also, Make sure that people can follow the mouse cursor around. So I don't, uh, back in the days when you start recording tutorials, you, uh, you're, you're moving around your mouse cursor like crazy and shift around your 3D model all the time. And you've got a heart attack from watching something like this. So I try to be really calm and precise with how I move my mouse. And every time I don't show something specific on screen and just talk about something, I basically leave my mouse where it is and don't touch it. So, and this makes also the editing process later on much easier because your mouse is not jumping around the screen all the time. So, uh, summarize, let's say good video audio quality, no clutter on your screen, uh, checklist, before you start recording, make the recording process as simple as possible and plan your projects, test out workflows before you start recording, note down everything which is important. Some people I know are even scripting their entire videos. Uh, that means they script the video um, so they can pick the perfect words, then record the audio, 
and then record the video and cut everything together. However, I sometimes do this for more pres uh, like presentation style videos, but for the general Blender screen recording tutorials, I just uh, record my voice while doing it because I'm, then it also feels more natural for me and I know exactly when I show something, I can talk about it. And it's also easier in the editing process, of course. Mm -hmm. And I wonder... Yeah, and then... Uh, yeah. I wonder if you ever feel uh, that imposter syndrome, uh, like, as like as a teacher, knowing that there is always like more to learn uh, or to know about the area that you are teaching. And if, if, you, if you ever get yeah. that feeling, how do you deal with that? <clears throat> um, I always know that I'm not perfect and what I teach is not perfect <laughs> because I know they are like much better artists and so on. But I think I am at a point where I don't have this feeling anymore because I think from all the feedback I got from what I see people achieve after following my courses and tutorials, it gives me like a good confidence that what I teach is not wrong in a way. Um, I know that sometimes my workflows are probably not the best. And since we are focusing only on using free tools, uh, there are of course paid alternatives, which are much more efficient, much better. And sometimes we, we just say, okay, this is a free workflow you can use. But if you want to speed up your process quite a bit or make this look even better, then use this paid add-on or this paid tool. Uh, which can help, like if you want to make this look more professional. Yeah, and sometimes so wrong, I know the there are limits. Sometimes the wrong and right thing yeah. is also not that obvious, right? Because uh, it, it it sometimes yeah. depends on the on the angle that you look at this certain thing. Like like there are things uh, constant di discussions about whether it's okay to use angles or triangles or quads in the, the topology, mm -hmm. for example, and that also heavily depends on the on what are you going to use the model for what is what is the model it's, yeah 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 for me it's also good to understand what the final result is what you want to create like if it's just a static render or an animation let's say it doesn't matter if you have engines or triangles in there if it looks good in the end for the viewer then <laughs> who cares so but of course if you have certain things you have to take care of for a game you're creating a model for or something like this. This is, of course, a different story. But yeah, for me, it's uh, since I'm teaching about animation and still renderings and not uh, game development, um, I made this clear also for like people coming to our courses. We are not teaching game design. We are not teaching 3D for game design. So and this is also good for me because then I can be a little bit more loose uh, with like the workflows so they don't have to be specific for this industry, let's say. Uh, so we can also just take our personal workflows, which works for us and teach them and people can see if this also works for them and if they might want to change the workflow a bit, which I also sometimes see people commenting, yeah, okay, nice workflow, but I do it like a little bit different here and there but they still learn something new, which they can implement somehow. And I think like from a perspective of right and wrong, in my perspective, there is no right and wrong. 
there's just a more efficient way on doing things and a less efficient way. I think when you start out with 3D modeling, for example, uh, you start modeling something in a very complicated way uh, because you don't know all the tools which are available. And then step by step, you learn, okay, you have these other tools and you can do the things which you have done manually before just with a few clicks, then you get more efficient. But in the end, you just get a 3D model. It needs to look good somehow, the topology or like the shading needs to be uh, good, <laughs> no like issues in there. It's, it's the same what you get in the end, but the way you got there might be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And regarding, you know, regarding uh, different approaches to, to <clears throat> things that you do, uh, with your tutorial making, uh, do you follow like your own experience and like, gut feel or uh, uh, when making these courses or do you also watch other people's work to get some inspiration? I mean, other people's tutorials. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, in my learning phase, I learned a lot from other people. And I, I guess uh, without knowing actively, I also learned a lot about making tutorials. Um, what I learned uh, is really important, especially when you do stuff for YouTube, is to make the content engaging and fun to watch. And don't bore people because as, as soon as you bore people with something, they will leave the video. So like have the content flowing, cut out the boring parts, um, show exactly what they would expect to like get from this video at the beginning. Like if you promote a character creation video, don't start with a default blender screen with a cube in it and start modeling, but just show in a short 10 seconds part this is what you will learn, the final result, so people can get excited on following the tutorial. So, and I think these are, of course, a lot of little things I learned from other video creators, not only like Blender specific, but uh, also other YouTube videos I watched. And I also had someone which was doing some research stuff <laughs> about. Uh, uh, how good tutorials are and they told me a few things and one thing for example is that you don't uh, that you shouldn't show your face during uh, a tutorial let's say when you do a blender tutorial you see a lot of people showing their face in some corner of the screen and you just basically see them doing stuff and the reason for that is that people are following the mouse cursor with their eyes but every time this person is moving a little bit this gets uh, the viewer to watch down to this person and then they lose the mouse cursor or lose track of uh, what was taught. And this is why I never show my face during the tutorial. You can do it like as an introduction, you show your face and say hi and what they will learn, but then don't show your face during the process or make a switch between if you want to explain something, then cut to your face explain something and then cut back to the tutorial. And this will help to give a better learning experience for the people. Yeah. Yeah. Like keep, keep and of course, focus. test, test your workflows before you record, like, uh, try different things, check out online. If the people are only found good workflows, which you haven't thought of, because 
uh, it's it's always feels weird when you record a nice tutorial it still happens to me today and then put it online and then people tell you but yeah there's a much easier way of doing it <laughs> much more efficient way so do your research and yeah, plan yeah. ahead <laughs> and yeah and regarding web tutorials like especially youtube i remember i had a real uh, like aha moment when i saw the first and the next one's uh, lazy tutorial from ian hubert and this to me yeah. seemed like yeah this this to me seemed like a you know like like a guitarist seeing seeing Jimi hendrix playing live i mean the intensity <laughs> yeah. the entertainment value and yet uh, aside to that you know a, a huge dose of really useful tips in such a compressed form and i know like i'm i'm aware this this is not like the ultimate way of making content or tutorials because it's like highly personal and but i wonder uh, do you have a course or tutorial that is like a tutorial masterpiece in your eyes? Um, I also remember when uh, Ian Hubert came up with these one minute tutorials. Um, I really enjoyed them, but also more from a perspective of, uh, <clears throat> of someone with some experience already. <clears throat> that means uh, at some point I basically stopped watching tutorials because uh, when you start out, you just follow a tutorial step by step. But when you are, when you know your way around Blender and you know most of the things you need on a daily basis, you don't watch tutorials more because you don't need this creative input, let's say, of how to model a plane or a spaceship. You basically understand the workflow. Okay, I need like a sketch or drawing or whatever, and then I just model the stuff with the tools I know. Um, but sometimes you are searching for specific things. You can't remember how to use a specific feature and then you're searching for it and then you just skip uh, through a tutorial just to find this one little piece which you know, which you need. And then these lazy tutorials is basically just like everything you don't need as a professional, let's say, uh, cut out and you just get straight to the point uh, what he wants to show and you get immediately the knowledge you need. <clears throat> But what I also learned from uh, this getting popular is that one half of the people really enjoyed it and one other half don't enjoy it at all because it's too fast and it's more entertainment for them instead of learning something. And though uh, this way I learned, okay, <clears throat> I also made my experience in this direction, but then I again learned, okay, it is not wrong to do a long tutorial. And if you make a good tutorial, two hours long, people will watch it. And basically I made a video with like 100 Blender modeling tips. And I have a lot of people which telling me in the comments, they, they watched the entire video or they, they couldn't believe in the beginning when they started to watch this video that they will actually finish this. And I also have a like 50 minutes sculpting tutorial, which I think I put in a lot of work to make it a really nice experience. And then it doesn't really matter how long a video is, if it's entertaining and fun to watch and you will learn a lot during the process, um, yeah, then people will watch it. <clears throat> yeah, great. Uh, and I wonder, like looking at uh, back at your uh, work so far, what is the tutorial or course on CG Boost that you are most proud of? I know it's a hard one. It's a hard one. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, <clears throat> most proud of, I'm probably on the Blender Launchpad course, which was like the first big course I started with CG Boost. I had, of course, created some courses before. Um, because on the one hand, it was a big success. And I always wanted to create a course which other people will recommend when somebody asks, where can I learn Blender? And this course came so far uh, so that many people recommend it uh, as a good uh, or perfect starting point for getting into Blender, which kind of makes me proud that uh, this course got so far. Um, it's, it's like straight up competition for the from the for the famous donut, right? I guess it's more. I mean, I have a I have a free I have a free course uh, which is about an apple and so on, which I consider more as a, a component to the donut one. But I think um, I don't see the Blender community as competition. Like I need to compete against Enterprise and CG Cookie and so on. It's more like a big family uh, because everyone who consumes tutorials like different teaching style. So maybe they don't like my teaching style, but they like uh, the one from CG Cookie or some other people. And we are not all teaching the same topics and we are not teaching the same workflows. And I think Enterprise is a great way that a lot of people get in touch with Blender. So I think it's not the tutorial, like the donut tutorial series is not there sure. to actually, sorry. Uh, sorry, let's, let's maybe repeat that one because I think we, we kind of lost the signal for a second. Okay. So, um, it was around when you started talk, talking about uh, Andrew Price uh, being a good way to. Okay. So let's let's repeat. Yeah, that. for me, for me, Andrew Price uh, has a huge audience, which is great, and I think his uh, donut tutorial is a great way for people to first get in touch with Blender and see if Blender is something they want to learn, and. I consider my courses and tutorials more as the next step after this. So if you met the donut and you realize, okay, I like Blender, I want to learn more, then, and they want to learn it properly, then they can jump into our courses or our uh, free videos. And I think, yeah, so everyone has its right place to be and everyone has a different purpose, let's say. Yeah, I find it really, you know, uh, this experience uh, with different types types of teaching. I recently like followed one uh, one kind of like intermediate advanced uh, tutorial series from from CG Cookie, which was the the human course, hmm. and it was really like uh, the experience. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's a nice, re really nice uh, course. And there's like, it also depends on how, uh, like the, the experience with a course or with tutorials is also depending on what you are interested in, what you already know. And if, even if you kind of like know half of what's taught in the course, it also gives you like a different perspective, like different approaches to what you already thought you know, you could, you know, approach it mm. from a different, you know, area, a perspective, a different style of working. There are so many, like so many, uh, little things that you can learn from a tutorial, even if it's not like teaching you 100% of the 
of the knowledge. <laughs> it yeah. still gives you additional value because yeah, there's so, so much you can learn from just like even watching an, a different artist work on something like his different way of thinking, different way of, way of approaching problems and stuff like that. I think it's huge value and uh, th that comes down to, to what you I said about non-competition for, for different sources of learning. Yeah, of course. Like, I guess if you watch three different uh, instructors teaching the same subject of braiding a character, for example, you will learn something new in each course, probably. Um, yeah, you will, I guess the basic workflow is similar in each course. But the nuances and tools and so on are different and you will learn always a little thing here and there. And I think it's also important with what mood uh, or what yeah, way on, on approaching a course or a tutorial, it's important that on the one hand, you take your time. And of course, it's also important to just uh, get into something when you really need it or when you feel this is something I really want to learn, not just because it's a cool topic. For example, for me, uh, I see cool motion graphics stuff everywhere, but I know it's not the subject for me. I don't really need to learn it, although it's an interesting subject in general, but for the, for the stuff I'm doing, it's not important for me. So I probably wouldn't watch a motion graphic course, it would be fun. I would learn a lot probably, but I can't apply what I've learned. Uh, probably only a few things, but it's not the general topic I can't apply on my projects in the future because I will never be a motion graphic artist or something like this. And yeah, and it's important just also to take your time with courses and especially take action and follow the instructions. And what I what I had done, which is maybe a good uh, tip for people starting out, the first videos I followed, um, I never created exactly what the people are teaching. For example, I remember back in the days I was watching an alien tutorial from CG Cookie, and I didn't create it an alien. I created my own character based on the workflow I learned. So, and in this way, you learn much more because you have certain problems, uh, certain obstacles which come into your way, and then you have to solve them. Because then it's not like the tutor is solving everything for you already in the videos, but you also have to solve your own problems along the way. And this, in this way, you will learn much more, much faster. Yeah, and you, you kind of engage your creativity, right? Uh, not, not just like yeah, of consuming, course. but... <clears throat> Yeah, I really like that approach and try try it myself when following tutorials. And and then it's also when you want to use uh, the things you create for your portfolio. Let's say it's not so obvious. Okay, you follow this specific yeah, tutorial, and exactly. like <laughs> one hundred other people have the same portfolio piece. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is no, which is no shame, of course. But yeah, it's always more fun to to add that little you know little personal touch, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's uh, it's by the way also one thing I as a creator I enjoy most to see uh, the results of our students what they create. On the one hand, I can see okay they followed the course; it's clearly visible. But many people are so creative, and like in the launchpad course, we create a simple animation where a car is basically flying uh, through a desert. 
but some people took the time to create like six minute long short films with the base idea of what we created in this course which is like super fun to watch it's, and yeah. uh, makes me happy <laughs> yeah and that's that's kind of like one one part of the whole cd boost thing that you're doing like the, the tutorial thing is one part but the, as you mentioned the, there's the the cg challenge as well and you you do also like live portfolio like live work reviews from students right so this is more like, uh, like a community no, thing yeah i mean we have a community space basically where people can just post their work and uh, the team and the other members will like give feedback and stuff and we have this cg boost challenge which is usually a monthly challenge we are currently uh we currently have paused it for a few months because we are working on a new website but when this goes live, probably in June, we will start again with the CG Boost challenges. And there you basically uh, get a given topic, uh, three weeks time, and then you create a still render uh, uh, according to the topic. And yeah, seeing like all these crazy cool artworks, uh, what people create based on the topics is really nice. And then we started to do a live stream afterwards where we pick like a couple of one random submissions and critique them. Basically, uh, the whole CG Boost team is in the stream and we basically give tips on how to make these artworks even better or what we liked on these artworks. And there again, one, uh, one time I remember we gave this feedback and then one guy applied the feedback to this uh, submission he sent us. So he made it even better. And it was like, 10 times better afterwards, which is really nice to see that the feedback we are giving is also uh, really useful for the people. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's, uh, it's priceless to, to, to really use that, you know, because I, I found that myself included and some people are kind of like sometimes shy about, you know, about their artwork. They, we don't post them as, as much or uh, especially when we are not, uh, entirely happy from the results but i found that this really you know pushing between uh, pushing beyond that barrier of you know being shy about your work and getting feedback and even asking for that specifically it really really can boost your your work it it really can help totally uh like lots of my artworks i send to my colleagues and friends um luckily i have like a couple of colleagues and friends which are in the cg space um, so usually I don't post my artworks online, which is of course something which I would recommend if you don't have like personal people, but sometimes if too many people giving feedback, it can also be confusing. So I usually like send it to a few people, which I know, which are, I know they know what they are talking about. Um, so if you, I think it's good to get started with posting your artwork online, even if you're shy about it also just to get in touch with other people and maybe you make some friends uh, so in the future you can like share it on a personal level with people but what i also learned is it's really nice to share your unfinished artwork with people that are outside of the cg space like my wife for example she has nothing to do with computer graphics or cg she hates to sit on on a computer <laughs> but when I show her my artworks, she has the eyes of someone that don't know nothing about 3D. So she's not looking at, 
oh, wow, this probably took a lot of time. I appreciate the time you put in there. Nice texturing work. But she says, oh, okay, this head looks weird uh, from this character. Or what is this? This looks weird. So and this is also, this hurts on the one hand. It's like, yeah. oh, you don't understand it. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> you a completely unbiased. Put in there. Completely unbiased yeah. feedback. But it's really good. And then when I, when I, uh, look into it yeah she's right this looks weird so i have to work on it a bit more <laughs> yeah yeah exactly sometimes this kind of feedback is like from a completely uh unexpected perspective like you you, you focus so much on the details on the technical side of things that then that you miss the the big picture kind of that a person from yeah. outside it it kind of like just approaches the thing as it is with no, with no, yeah. Yeah, simply uh, as a photograph or something like this, mm -hmm. or as exactly. a painted picture. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it's a super valuable feedback on the, on the levels, on the level of storytelling, of, on the level of, of relating to the real world or whatever. Yeah. Or what I, what I also learned, if you get feedback from a lot of people, usually things that are popping up a lot is something you should look into. Like, because... There's, of course, personal taste and everyone likes different things a bit more. So if you get three feedbacks and everything is completely different, then you can probably leave it as it is <laughs> or just take out the things which uh, you agree upon. But if like 10 people are saying the same thing, the color looks weird, the lighting is strange or whatever, then this is probably something you should look into and maybe change. <laughs> but in the end, it's your it's 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 your personal art, so um, you don't always have to change according to what other people say. Okay, so <laughs> this this was like a super super nice conversation. I guess I guess our listeners also enjoyed it. And uh, just for a final few words, if you can say what we can expect from from your. CG Boost uh, team in the coming months or time, or maybe you have some some plans that you wish that you could realize in 2022 or later, and you want to share with us. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's uh, our new website, which should be a better user experience. So uh, new website also the challenges will change a little bit so we will be more open for beginners there will be two categories uh, one training category and one for the more pro artists so if you feel shy about your art then uh, this should be a great way to jump in without too much pressure and yeah we are working on a couple of courses uh, i don't want to tell too much because i'm working together with some other authors and for such big projects, from my own experience, it's hard sometimes to finish something. And of course, sometimes, especially when working with external people, there comes something in the way and they say, I can't finish this project. So, but we have a couple of things in the direction of uh, cinematic or cinematic courses, storytelling, uh, cinematic rules like composition, camera, short film creation, compositing, and something about grease pencil. Uh, yeah, all, all stuff in the direction of 
animation filmmaking with 3D. So I hope this will uh, be some good content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is something it's we're working on. Exciting times ahead. Yes. For yeah, hopefully. Both your business and both your clients, right? I hope so. <laughs> I hope people are enjoying the stuff we are doing. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I'm hoping that they will enjoy also listening to this conversation. So thanks again for, for joining us on the CG Talks. We're, we're a little podcast, but we're really engaged in 3D. <laughs> and I hope our... My pleasure. Yeah. As well. And um, I'm sure there are a lot of Blender users listening to this one, but uh, I guess this is not just about Blender. It's about art, about improving yourself, boosting your skills. And we are all in this journey together. Oh, tutorial yeah, creators, totally tutorial agree. watchers, one big family. <laughs> exactly. When you so, when you join the Blender conference once a year, uh, you see that like the Blender community specifically is a big family. It's like meeting members of your family <laughs> once a year. Just really yeah, nice. and finally, finally this year, uh, it's it's the one that's going to probably happen, right? Because it's been a few yeah, years after without... two years of a break. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I hope to be there and hope to meet some of you. <laughs> yeah, let's let's keep our fingers crossed for that. And thanks again. Yeah. See you around in the 3D world. I'll see you around.